Hello and welcome to another episode of Live Fix Radio. This is Chris. This is Colleen. And we're glad to have you guys with us on our very uh, very special episode. I guess every every episode is special, right, Colleen? Sure, every episode is special and unique. Right. In any case, the uh, the concert you were listening to as we came in here uh, was none other than Weezer. Uh, if you didn't uh, not familiar with the band, that was one of their their famous songs, uh, known as the Sweater Song. The Sweater Song. Right. Yes. Uh, we saw Weezer. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we saw Weezer, and I, th- I, I maybe I th- a, almost a month. I think October eighteenth, nineteenth. Okay, or it's not a like full that. month. All somewhere, right, somewhere along there. But it was still kind of nice out in Chicago. It was, yeah. It's uh, it's gotten cold, and day- we've you know turned our clocks back, so you wake up, uh, you know, it's dark out, light out, not much. The daylight's getting less and less, basically. So most of us concert fans were retreating to to the concert venues to uh, or online shows, you know, right? Or online. I like to I like to watch. Some of the stuff that I missed at festivals, online. Oh, so you're going back and watching the old videos? Stuff that, well, stuff that I missed, you know, like Lollapalooza. I mean, Lollapalooza was huge. What do you There's think you no missed? There's no way I was... Lots of bands. There's lots of bands that I did not get to see or don't know about. Pitchfork, same thing, you know. So this is the time to go back and So you think you missed some great show that everybody else saw except you? Do you feel I, left I'm out? I'm sure I did. I'm sure there were some... Shows I didn't see. So, you know, just to kind of get an idea of what was out there. And, I mean, Pitchfork, I mean, that's the time when all these bands, like, first kind of come out of their shell. Right. So, you know, I do go back and... Hmm. And then, then I do sometimes go back and, um, you know, Google stuff that I wasn't at. You know, like Bonnaroo. Right. I didn't go to Bonnaroo. Just kind of see how, um, how everybody, else, how the other half yeah, lives, right? See what other people you are know, doing. How the other festivals what are. What other kind of music's out there? You know, I do believe each town, each major city, kind of has their own culture and, and music right now. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so uh, we're here. We're talking about live music, and uh, on this particular show, you know, we chose that song from Weezer for for a particular reason. You know, the. Um, uh, the big part of that song, you know, he talks about, you know, he will soon come undone and lying naked on the floor. You know, I mean, that's a pretty, uh, pretty interesting image, you know, scene to, uh, you know, to to look at. You know, and we were thinking about live music and you know being exposed and naked. I guess you could say, you know, uh, at a, at a concert, you know, emotionally. And one of the ways that that fans, uh, you know, become emotionally vulnerable, you know, is by experience, <clears throat> by experiencing, you know, grief, loss, mourning, these types of things. So that's, that's or what I like to call is concert baggage. Concert baggage, yeah, right. I know you don't like that word, but it's got a weird connotation to it, you know, baggage. But I, I guess that's what we do. I mean, we've we've explored before the concept that the concert experience is not just, you know a two-hour, you know, that block of time that when you come to a show, you do bring lots Stuff of with you. baggage you bring, with you. You bring emotions you know? with you. Right. You so. bring memories. You bring the day's good things, the day's bad things. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you bring that year, maybe. If you only go to a few concerts, whatever, you know, is going on, you could bring that in. Now, we get opportunity to go to a lot more shows, so I think it's more based on that day. So how my day was sometimes can reflect on how well my concert experience is. All right. And what the, what, what's the, what the interesting thing is, is, too, about concerts is that most people think, at least when I talk to them, or we talk about going to concerts, it's, you know, you have an escape thing, you know, an escape element to it, that you're running away from something. But what we're going to explore today in this show is how um, when you go to a show, you're, you know, you, you get surprised, you know, you get ambushed, you know, and I'll explain that a little bit more. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've experienced, you know, grief, loss. Uh, that I didn't expect to experience at a show. It just kind of surprised me, you know. Or I'm going to a show and you know we're we're talking about um, something before the music starts, and then boom! Once the music hits, you know, and the chords the, the chords start to progress, and the, the the music and the choruses, all kind of stuff. Certain things are triggered. You well, know? just like smells, heart, you know? I think. Just like smells, I think you're just transported to a different place. Sounds and and music um, and songs and lyrics can bring you somewhere else. You know, can uh, um, allow you to re-experience a memory or to um, to to maybe acknowledge someone that has passed that song reminds you of. Maybe acknowledge a friendship that you lost, or you don't see that person anymore. Right. Uh, maybe a period in your in your life it reminds you of. I know for me, Nirvana, like the grunge mm-hmm. songs, you know, remind me of high school or junior right. high. I would end of junior high. You guys know my age, but right. you know that grunge reminds me of a decade in my life. Yeah, you know, um, some of the hip hop music. You know, reminds me of a, a, a time in my life that I that I listened to a lot of that, and and it can bring me to that place, can bring bring me to the elements that were there, the people that were involved in my life at that time. Um, you know, it, it gives it gives you a sense of of a, the ability to relive it, which there's not too many things out there that can allow can trigger that. Right. You know, sense is one. Um, places sometimes can. People sometimes can. But music can can definitely do that. Yeah, what's amazing too is that uh, the more and more I thought about this whole topic, you know, of exploring, uh, you know, grief, you know, and mourning and loss at a concert, the more I realized that uh, concert fans are experiencing this more than we realize. You know, it it, it is it, it is very popular. Um, maybe not popular in the sense that people want to talk about it, but nonetheless, it's happening. We've done a bunch of experiments, as we'll we'll show you here in the t- closer to the uh, later in the, in the meat of the show. Here, uh, we're going to get some concert news in a moment, but um, we've done some experiments. Uh, we've talked to fans. Uh, fans have dropped comments on the blog, you know, about certain posts. Uh, we've looked at all different types of bands in rock, hip hop, um, you know. The, the the whole gamut. I mean, it doesn't really matter what kind of genre it is. Uh, we found that fans are experiencing grief, loss, and mourning at shows, and they're not necessarily sharing that with with everybody live in that moment. But uh, you know, as that that moment kind of permeates and you know percolates with that person, it's it's coming out, and and uh, it's really fascinating and uh, you know very very interesting to uh, 
you know, to talk with fans about that. So we're gonna. That's basically what the show is about today, and super excited to to get into that and and experience that. And one of the reasons that we are looking at that, you know, that we chose Weezer um, that show is that before that show, uh, the former bassist of Weezer, uh, Mikey Walsh, was uh, he was found dead in his uh, uh, well in a Chicago uh, hotel. hotel the day before the show, before we were going to go. So kind of put an interesting twist on the concert. And what made it even more interesting was that we were, we were curious to see how, you know, uh, River, uh, Rivers uh, Cuomo, right? Is that the lead singer? Yeah, I always get his name mixed up for some reason. But uh, we were curious on how he was going to respond and how the band was going to respond to that, you know, and, and also how the fans were. Because we've been to shows where... Somebody, you know, an artist dies, and then two days later, we're at the show where everybody's kind of dealing with those emotions and working those through. So we're going to get into all that. Um, got a lot of great, uh, great ideas and concepts to uh, to explore with you guys. So, but first, uh, we're going to get into some uh, music news. We got my three. favorite part. You, you love, love this show. I love. You, you love the part of this show. I love the the news the news pieces because there's no really nowhere you can get. Live music news, except for here <laughs> on the Live Fix podcast. Yeah, we love bringing it to you guys. Uh, we work really hard at curating and picking the best, the most interesting stories to talk about, you know, and to share with you guys because there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, and you know, we we want to share that with you, right, Colleen? And if we miss some we, we, important news item, yeah, please shoot us an email. Yeah. I'll put something on the uh, on the blog, please. Yeah. Great, great. I'm glad you point that out because there's so much going on in live music that we're bound to miss something. Now, I will say though, this is the only place we're not going to talk about the Justin Bieber paternity tests. This you, is the one place we're not going to talk about that. You just talked about it. No, this is the one place we're not going to talk about it at all. Okay. I'm just making that clear. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about Justin Bieber and some lady that claims that he had his child. No, we won't talk about that. And how he's not going to do the paternity test, and now he is. No. So we're we not going to talk about that at all. We won't. But the, we on will, this show, we're not going to talk about that. But we will that. talk about later. We found an awesome infographic about the impact of Justin Bieber's tweets on ticket sales. And how his tweets for the ladies, when he tweets about the ladies, apparently it impacts concert ticket sales in a positive way but we'll talk about that later we got some music news first one up here is uh metallica 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 they um they caused some fans to riot there was a riot in india uh this past weekend and what had happened is that uh metallica was playing for the first time in india in their you know in their 30 year history as a band They've never played in India before, so this is the big. This is the first time that they're going to do that. It, it didn't happen. The fans rioted. Um, that seems like something that needs to be planned out. You know, like well, playing in India. Yeah, well, and here's this the American deal: is that band, and there's like it was a war going out. on. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like something that needs to be planned out. A war going on? Yeah. What do you? Well, I don't understand. It seems like there needs to be something planned out. Oh, more. okay. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that one later. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little lost on that. It's a little late here, recording this kind of late, but uh, in any case, we're having fun here. But the story with the Metallica concert is that uh, 
the uh, the uh, the venue owners it was for the F1 Grand Prix race. So it was this the show was taking place before a a race car event uh, in India. It was taking place in like kind of a race car um, track kind of thing. And they that's over- something else I think needs to be planned out. I mean, a race track, really. I mean, yeah, totally. I, you know, it just doesn't make sense. I, but. Yeah, yeah, good good point. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna interrupt, you gotta like add something to the conversation. <laughs> That's a rule we have here on the podcast. Okay. Okay. Just just so you know. But in any case, the venue was oversold, and the fans got unruly. They started to go up on stage, and they trashed over two hundred thousand dollars in concert uh, gear, uh, Metallica's gear. So they the band wanted to play, but the fans got so ticked off and pissed off that they uh, started throwing the venue. Um, you know, into into an uproar and throwing. And we've seen we have some videos posted on uh, on the blog and the show notes for this podcast. You're definitely going to want to check that out. And we're going to try and get uh, the fan that took video of uh, of this riot. We're, we're, we we want to see if we can get him on the show and uh, and talk about it because there were a couple fans that made some very interesting YouTube videos to explain. You know their you know their loss. They experienced loss at this at this Metallica concert. So it's uh, it's a nice little fit there. So hopefully Metallica. It seems like in this case, when they you know, we'll they experienced loss, though it yeah. was it, it became like anger very quickly. Yeah. Maybe they were a little sad initially that you know Metallica didn't come out. But if you if you look at the you know some of the videos and stuff that are they're out there, I mean they they make them wait a long time. And so that process of being mad, upset, sad, it you just know, all that kind over, of stuff, you know? I'm sure it continued, 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 and, and anger just was the per- prominent <laughs> prominent one. So it, it they really, anger took over that venue at that point. Well, what's interesting about this, and we're going to have another episode about this whole thing, but the, the concept of rioting at at shows you know it's not just for metal fans but you know we've reported on shows that uh um it happens at hip-hop concerts you know it happens um at all types of you know different different venues different uh genres you know different fans you know you put the right variables together and ba-boom you know you have you you, you have a riot on your hands you know and it's it doesn't seem to be you know just you know, secluded to one culture. You know, this is happening in different continents. You know, Metallica riots have happened across you know different co- cultures, different continents. You know, and different different things. But yeah, it's a great, great, great point. You know, I think it's fascinating to see Metallica fans or any kind of fans that have been waiting a long time. That boom, you just go right to that. This could be the only you know, show they can go to this year that they paid for, that they were able to venture out to. I mean. That's if that's the only show you want to see that year, and you don't see it, that, that's pretty disappointing. Yeah. So I can understand the fans' anger. Yeah. Speaking of spe- <laughs> speaking of anger, our next news here is involving Odd Future, Wolfgang Kill Them All. But most people know this band as Odd Future. They're the uh, controversial hip hop group that uh, Southern California based. That uh, we saw them in Pitchfork. You know, it was the largest crowd that they've ever played before, and. To be quite honest, they're you know they're 
they're not anything we haven't seen before. You know, I think it's a younger generation seeing this, you know, seeing some, you know, a, a band combine hip hop and punk rock music together and, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, just anger going on and what happened in, um, uh, New Orleans, there was, uh, an altercation. One of the members of Odd Future, uh, you know, and, and I guess we should, Colin, why don't you, why don't you explain the whole, the, the, the photo, because this involves photography, so I'm going to stop right here and you're going to, you know, explain what it's like to be at an Odd Future concert as a photographer, and what... Mm, somewhat terrifying, I mean, you're not, what, the um, time that I photographed them, which is Pitchfork this year... Mm -hmm. Um, they didn't allow ph photographers at all in the pit area. Yeah. Um, and so we had to venture out into the crowd to take shots. And that was very scary. I think I was more scared of the fans than the actual band. Because hmm. the fans really fed off the energy of them. And, um, I had fans, I had two girls, um, almost getting a fist fight next to me. Because one, uh, moved in front of the other. And um, they were in each other's face. They were about to push each other. And yeah, so that's that pretty, pretty scary. Pretty crazy. I was pretty um, scared for you. We also there were some, a lot of people pushing from behind. There were a lot of people throwing stuff, all kinds of stuff. The band was throwing things at the audience. Um, I mean, they're they're just a rowdy band, and the audience loves that, and they feed off of that. Yeah. Um, I had one person. Um, I mean, I, this has never happened to me. I mean, they were hitting my camera, not the band, but fans were like hitting, pushing me, pushing the camera, pushing people next to me. Um, I had a fan use my shoulder. I don't know how he did this, uh -huh. but he used someone else's shoulder that was shorter than me and like used his leg to get up on their shoulder, then like used my shoulder to pop uh -huh. up over the... The gate. I don't know how I missed that. I don't know. I mean, I, it happened got, so quickly. Yeah. So it was just a rowdy group of people, and um, a lot of um, a lot of people. I mean, the energy was kind of nice because there's some bands you go see and there's like no energy, you know. But um, but it was almost too much and kind of scary. So apparently, though, at this show, uh, a photographer was actually slapped. Yeah, and yeah, uh, they were in the pit. Um, and I guess he slapped her, and she initially wanted just wanted a apology. Yep. And um, she just recently posted on her website that she actually, um, because she did not receive receive an apology, she is going to go to the authorities. Yeah, she's pressing charges. Press she's, charges. She's got a lawyer. What's the name of? I'm looking that up okay. right now, so I want I mean, to make she, sure that we can. Uh... I, I would say. I mean, there is. Footage on on YouTube, so I would check it out. But um, it looks like they were swinging, throwing water, throwing all kinds of stuff at the audiences and um, the audience members and at the photographers. I mean, you have to realize photographers. Yes, they sometimes can be a nuisance, but they are providing media. They're providing a story. They're providing a story in pictures. And they really are generating income for them. They, I mean, they're giving, you know, magazines exposure. 
of these artists. And I, I, I can't imagine why an artist would attack the media. Physically. Yeah, these guys don't really seem like they want to, you know... I mean, they they repeatedly don't offer opportunities to talk to the press. They do these crazy things. I mean, I think there should be... And I've seen this color, a couple other blogs, too, talking about this, too, is that there should just be a media blockout for these guys. You know, just, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's really to the point where, you know, they don't have any... They don't really have anything interesting to say uh, when it really comes down to it. Um, you know, they're just not... I know, there's... It's interesting to see uh, Tyler, the creator. He's he's the lead, kind of the lead front man of the group. You know, he does have some uh, some talented uh, gift of wordplay in, in his uh, you know in his rhymes. Definitely, um, you know, respect him for that. Um, but really, beyond that, honestly, you know, I'm not you know, there might be some odd future fans out there that might not like this. But in any case, you know, I just really wasn't that impressed with uh what we saw pitchfork and you know you listen to the goblin his his uh sophomore date you know sophomore album you know not anything that i've really gone back to you know i'm being like wow i gotta listen to that again you know it really didn't didn't do anything and the live show really didn't add anything to the music itself it kind of made you you know walk away like okay this is ridiculous you know so now they're they've taken it a step further and they're slapping photographers and now they got themselves in a you know, kind of an interesting situation where, you know, they don't want to have a dialogue, but, uh, you know, they have a possible lawsuit, you know, on, uh, on their hands and uh, we'll have to see how this, uh, how this turns out. So again, we'll have links to all the, uh, all this coverage, the videos that Colleen's been talking about here and, you know, some of the photography, uh, related to that, to that story. So go check that out. And, um, our last bit of news piece here, uh, some sad news, you know, it, but you know, it fits fits interestingly with our uh, with our topic here, is that um, uh, the uh, guitarist uh, for uh, Guar, um, Guar. I mean, Colin, this is one of your favorite bands, right? Sure, yeah. I, I mean, love, I love the costumes. You know, you're you're a big fan. You're a big Guar fan. Actually, you know, my first interaction with Guar was um, in uh, there's a movie called it's a rec- it's a movie about a record store, Empire Records. Empire Records. All right. That was my first interaction with Guar. So I, but I haven't had too many interactions. Well, I know you're a big then. fan, and you know I know Guar fans all across the world, you know, are mourning right now because of uh, the lead singer, uh, lead guitarist, sorry, uh, Corey Smoot. Uh, he was found dead in his uh, in the tour bus. They don't know what the cause of death was, but nonetheless, there was an interesting quote here about because this happened while they were on tour you know he dies and you know the band is struggling do they go on do they play continue to play you know what do they what do they do so we found this is uh this interesting quote on um online here uh from uh msn entertainment and uh this is this is what um uh frontman dave brocky you know said and they have all have different names so dave brocky aka otteris arungus and Corey Smoot is known as, uh, what's his name? Where is, I can't find his name, but he has a really interesting uh, stage name as well. So this is what uh, Dave Brocky, frontman, said, you know, when he was, when they were asked, you know, 
are you guys going to continue to play? What's what's going on here? So, uh, Brocky says uh, Corey wouldn't want us to to uh, to not play. Uh, he would want us to go on. He want he would be pissed if we didn't. Plus, we know the fans don't want us to quit. They're going to they are going to want a chance to come to grips with their loss. And there is no better place to do that than at a Guar show. Wow. I mean, that's 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 fascinating to think about that. I never thought about uh, dealing with grief, loss, you know, and sadness at, at a Guar show. I mean, can a Guar... But for some, that's... Yeah. It's totally happens. Exactly what they need. You know? I mean, that's what we're all here. <laughs> that's what we're uh, we're all about here in Life Fix is really questioning, you know, things that people don't think about, you know, with that. And I never thought that you could have cath- a cathartic process, you know, uh, cathartic relief, you know, experience at a guar show. But pff, there you go. There, there you have it. So that's the. Uh, concert news and when we come back we're going to get into our show we're going to tell some tell you guys some stories um this is probably one of the most personal shows that we've ever done so uh we're excited to uh to go you know to some new places with you guys i know um colleen's got some interesting stories uh to share um and uh, and i do too so when we come back we'll get into that mark hoppus on the line when you had to play the next day after dj am's passing in connecticut did you find it to be uh, a cathartic experience, or was it more, you know, why are we doing this, you know, just sort of going through the motions? It was a combination of everything, and mm. it, it was one of the most amazing shows that I feel like we've ever played because it was such a catharsis, but it was such a hard time, and we were in the middle of tour, and we got this awful news about AM, and, you know, it was really hard. It was really a difficult time, but to get up on stage and, I mean, we didn't want to cancel the show, obviously, because right. so many people had bought tickets, and we, and we don't like to cancel shows at all. Of course not. Um, but to get up on stage was very difficult, and then, I mean, for me personally, like, I broke down on stage, and, yeah. you know, everybody was cheering for AM, and it was just such an emotional experience that uh, I think it was good for us, in a way, to get up and be able to... It's weird because literally you're suffering in front of 15,000 people oh and you're going geez. through a very difficult time, but somehow, for me at least, it was very cathartic to get to share that moment with everybody out there, and there was a really, really moving uh, portion of the show where everybody was cheering for AM and his memory, and I don't know, I, I, felt, I felt much better after that. And for a lot of our crew as well, because we lost a really dear friend yesterday. <laughs> Uh, his name was Adam Goldstein. You probably know it was DJ AM. He was an innovator, and he was a genius, and he loved music more than any other person on this planet. And above all, he was an amazing friend. So we are... Uh, We're doing as best we can to get through tonight, but right now I'd like to take down the lights and just have a moment of silence for our friend Adam. Thank you all very much.
This song is called Down. I hope it goes like this. All right, and welcome back. Uh, that was a clip from uh, an interview with Blink-182 when they were interviewed. Um, and talking they... about uh, DJ AM. Yeah. The death of DJ AM, because they had done some, um, I believe they were friends with him. I don't know if they did any touring with him, but they were pretty close, uh, especially the front man for Blink-182. Yeah, it's a really interesting interview to have him talk about that, because, you know, that uh, that's exactly what we're uh what we're talking about so to come across an interview like that and uh and we wanted to share that with you guys because it really illustrated what we're what we're uh what we're talking about you know on this on this episode so um and then our interview is from uh, 106.7 uh to dc washington dc based uh radio show and it's interesting how he was impacted not only um by the the hearing um the loss of his friend but it seemed like he was impacted by the the fans, by the cheering of the fans. They were cheering DJ mm-hmm. AM, and um, it sounds like he broke down when they were doing that. And, and so it was interesting how they played off of each other. Right. And I think that's always an interesting dynamic that we miss when um, we're at a live show of how the fans can can motivate or inspire or not do any of those things, not motivate and sort of make the concert or break the concert as much as the artist can in many ways. And if you know any musicians, I know we've got a chance to talk to a few, yeah. they will tell you their best shows were because the fans were really involved. Right. Yeah, it's a concept that we've we've talked about before about uh, Lukey Lose, which are basically people who, uh, uh, Dave Hickey, a guy at uh, uh, Critic, kind of came up with that term for people who just go to a show to consume and uh, they don't participate so definitely when fans participate it shows that you know it's almost uh you know there's a reciprocity that kind of goes back and forth so when you're a fan you're at a show and you're giving something back emotionally you know the the band is feeding off of that you know and i think that's a huge part and it's uh really kind of uh touching to hear um uh hear the you know blink 182 talk about that and that um he's used some very interesting language uh, about you know feeling tortured you know on on stage you know having to go through that that grieving process the loss publicly publicly on stage you know i mean that's uh do you most of us us i don't don't, think you have a choice i don't think that people have a choice i mean if they're feeling emotion and they are at that level, grief level. As a fan or as a you know as a musician, I don't think you have a choice sometimes as to because I think music is so powerful that um, it can force you to start feeling things and and experiencing things that you wouldn't have without the music. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know yeah, what the, the it, it trigger, it triggers, scientific it reasoning certain things, about yeah. that, um, but I think just like you know the smell of a loved one who's passed um, can just it, it just is almost too much for your body. It's it's affecting more than one sense, right? You're hearing, you're smelling, you're seeing, you're um, you're feeling that person's presence, and I think sometimes that can be um, very very scary and very almost powerful for someone i mean the live music 
in and of itself, just just the music experience itself without, you know, putting on top grief, putting on top mourning, putting on top... The other fans, the other fans fans. who maybe you look over to the right of you and someone's crying, you know. 50,000 fans. I mean, I know a couple podcasts ago, we were talking about, we were talking with Tyler and, you know, he was telling me how he was at a Nine Inch Nails concert and he looked over and it was uh, the song Hurt, last show of the concert. And um, the girl next to him was crying, you know, and he asked her, he said, are you okay? You know, and she said, yeah, you know, she's like, this song just makes me feel and think of someone that, uh, that had died, you know, yeah. about that. And I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. You know, and he did, you know, kind of, you know, give her. A, and he didn't know the person. A, a, no. Before did, he went did to not the show. Know which first, is, first time, first time he met her. Which is very interesting. And, and, you know, before we came, we prepared for the podcast, I was not going to talk about this. Uh, it wasn't something initially I thought of, but you're reminding me of a time when we, one of the first shows that I ever um, went to, I, I took pictures um, and went to, was a James Blunt concert. Hmm. And we initially had um, access to photograph the opening band. Right. Remind me of the opening band? Uh... <laughs> you can't remember, huh? Uh... Well, we had interviewed... Star Sailor. Star Sailor. Okay, we had interviewed him, local coffee shop. Way back in the day. And this is one of our first gigs. You know, yep. we thought we were, we were something and uh, we we're, were, you know, going to start, we we're going to change the world. And um, we uh, we went to the show after and uh, and I remember, I, I didn't know this lady, this woman that was next to me, but um, she, we started talking throughout the show at some point and, um, and we were talking and talking and... As soon as he came on, we still kind of continued to talk, and we, had, we were laughing about things and that. And and I looked over at some point um, at one of his songs, and she was just just bawling. Mm. Okay, and this is someone I didn't know, and she kind of looked looked over, and then she had said to me, you know, this this song like changed my life, mm. you know. Um, and I believe it was tear and tears and rain. Tears and rain. Tears and rain. I want to say. Don't look um, at me. I'm not a big James Blunt fan. But, and uh, uh, she was she was singing it, and it was just this isn't feel this is emotion. I guess I looked. I didn't have the connection to those songs that she did. Uh huh. Um. And it and it, it it changed, it changed me during that show. To, um, to recognize that I could listen to that song and it mean nothing to me, and she could listen to it and it. it it changed her life. Did she it, say it, anything else to you about why she was crying? No, actually, um, no. On the way out, she had said something like, "Ah, oh, that brought back so many memories," you know, or something like that. Or you know, it was that hmm. was just a, a great show, and I couldn't keep you know there was no you know I couldn't keep my eyes dry, and so so that was huge for me because um, I don't know that I've ever cried at sh- a show. Um, I don't think I've ever cried at a show. Really? Never? Never. I don't you never think cried I've... at a concert no, before? No, I don't think I've ever cried at a show. I've gotten very excited at shows. I felt sad at shows. I felt, you know, scared, angry, you know, mostly all the other emotions. But I don't know that I've ever felt So you just kind of push sad. it down? When it happened? Because it sounds no, like you're thinking of certain I... shows where you wanted to cry, but you couldn't. I don't know that I pushed it down. I don't know to. that it was... Um, 
Well, there was one time that it was, that I was really emotional and it was, um, like, we're, well, I can talk about it now that we we're going to talk about it, mm-hmm. um, at Lollapalooza 2007. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, within, you know, well, in 2004, I, I had lost, um, one of my friends and, um, and she, and we'd listened to that song regularly. I mean, she liked, um, Modest Mouse. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, and I made it pretty apparent to her that I, oh, I don't really like this band. Why do I listen <laughs> to them? Um, and I didn't appreciate them until she, she was gone. Um, and I started listening to her stuff after she, she passed cause she had made a CD. Yeah. She actually, uh, yeah. When I, when we were, we were date. I think, yeah, we were dating. We weren't. Uh, married yet but uh, your friend uh you know she had um she made me a cd and that was one of the yeah. that was the first song on there and so i listened to it yeah and then i started kind of appreciating uh modest mouse and um there was one song in particular um titled float on uh, i'm trying to think what cd it's on um not sure the CD, but it's That's it's, right. it's called Float on. Float on. Everybody and, knows Float uh, on. I mean, and and just the lyrics hit me because her lyrics, the lyrics reminded me of her and um, just our you know relationship. And um, one of the lyrics is "Bad news comes, don't you worry, even when it lands, good news will work its way to all them plans." Hmm. Just kind of the idea, and the main idea is float on. Is it don't don't carry things don't um you know try to re- realize that life life is going to pass this sh- this too shall pass kind of concept mm-hmm. and um so anyway they, they played that live in 2007 at Lollapalooza and i felt um it, it may sound um surreal but it, it felt like she was there it felt like she was there she experiencing was next that to you? She was there with me, yeah. She was experiencing huh. it, and, um, you know, I think at, at one point, I just kind of, you know, I felt like um, we were experiencing it together, and and it was, her energy was, I mean, I felt like her energy was there, or, or maybe it was just me remembering her, you know, I, I don't, who knows, who knows what it was, but it, it felt very close to her, and I get, I think talking to a lot of fans They've had these similar experiences with songs, and so I don't think I'm alone in that. No, but um, I, I but think, for me, yeah, this was, was huge for me in remembering her because this yeah. had happened. Now it was about three years after she had passed, and um, and it's so it just kind of reiterated that she was gone, but yet that she hadn't completely, you know, her memory hadn't left, and that I could still, you know, hold those memories and I could hold them in the song. So now. That song is forever going to be a song that's going to remind me of her. Yeah, every time that song comes out, I think of you know, I think mm-hmm. of her, and uh, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about that because you know we we stood next, you and I stood next to each other, you know, at uh, Lollapalooza there at uh, Grant Park. I remember that day like it was like it was yesterday, and I don't think I ever really knew until now. Like what, what was going on inside your mind, you know, inside your heart until you just explained it right now. So that's, that's really kind of interesting. And, you know, for me, that moment was, you know, equally, uh, you know, 
a it was more of a struggle for me you know it was very sublime you know and and cathartic because uh, I remember standing in front of uh, her casket you know and you know that's the image that flashed for me while Modest Mouse was playing that you know the emotions that I was trying to express um, you know I couldn't really do that you know at her funeral you know uh, but uh, it was a lot easier to feel those emotions during the show you know and and I and uh, you know I felt you know uh, Know, kind of some closure, I guess, you know, for, for me. I mean, I wasn't as close to her as you as you were, but, um, you know, I think uh, I didn't necessarily feel her presence, but it was um, kind of an interesting uh, interaction. With, but you've with had that. similar experiences, and, it, it, and it's interesting because um, when I, you know, I did some research online, and, and um, most people um, are familiar with, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and her book that she wrote in 1969 De on death and dying. Mm -hmm. And in that book, it explains um, five stages of, of grief, of loss. Um, a lot of times people will, um, you know, they will use it. Um, they, they may also include significant life events such as the death of a loved one, major rejection, End of relationship or divorce, drug addiction, incarceration, changing your your job, um, the onset of a disease. They will or tragedies. They will, you know people will also this can correlate to that. And um, I, you know I, I debated whether I felt that these because I'm very familiar with this just being in the behavioral health um, field. I struggled with this correlating with. Um, emotions at live concerts, but um, I, I I do see that um, it's very possible that anyone in the audience could be bringing these bringing these feelings um, and, and emotions to the show, mm -hmm. or be in one of these stages, you know, currently when they go to a show. Yeah, it's it's uh you know it's ongoing. I mean, in my my experiences, you know, if I could share a couple of stories too, you know, with, uh, and I just, I want to go, interesting. I just want to recap just those stages. So we all kind of know, and I know most sure. of you can look this up and you, you, you could, you know, easily get a book on it, but the first one's denial. Um, you know, I feel fine. This isn't bothering me. Um, this really can't be happening to me. The next one is anger. You know, why me? They're upset, you know, they're blaming, um, bargaining um i'll do anything you know to get this person back um you know you kind of bargaining back and forth um i understand i will die but if i could just do something to buy more time if it gets more time you know someone who is terminally ill or someone who doesn't want the divorce i just i, I want to work on it again i want to work on it again and just kind of pushing that mm. um the next one depression so they're struggling with with you know, what, what, what is life all about now? I have this loved one who's gone. I have this job that's gone. Do, do I really, is life really worth it? Kind of struggling with that. And then the fifth one would be acceptance. So you're finally starting to say, it's going to be okay. I'm going to get through this. You know, life's going to be better once I can kind of work through this, this situation, this loss. Hmm. So those are just the five basics, you know, stages of grief or of loss. 
And I think if we, I do believe that. And and they can happen. Uh, they're not. You know, this is not linear. Correct. I think Correct. it's important to Correct. to note that too. That's one of the things that I that I discovered about that process is that grief is not linear, and grief doesn't have a, you know, time clock. You know, it can happen. It can ambush. I think that's why I always I always feel like I get ambushed by grief. And music you know? could 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 ignite ignite one of these it's a trigger it's a one. Huge of these. Trigger. It could. Music is a huge trigger. Lyrics can be very very powerful um, for a lot of people, and um, you know, there's a couple songs out there. Uh, I was able to I did some googling, and, and Yahoo came out with ten songs to listen to in your morning. Hmm. You know, and uh, interesting. And one was um, you know Snow Patrol. They have a song called Run. And in that song, one of the big lyrics that they talk about is, um, it says, even if you cannot hear my voice, I'll be right here beside you, dear. You know, and, and that, that kind of stuff can be very triggering if you're, mm. you just had someone pass or you got divorced. Or, I mean, they're, they're clearly talking about someone being there, talking to you and listening to you and interacting with you. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating too. You know, I think in my experiences, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty complex, you know, cause I see it as, uh, you know, right now there's two different ways that, that I've experienced, you know, and how live music plays a role in, in my grief process, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, last year my dad died and, uh, you know, it was kind of a slow, long, slow, you know, mourning process with that because he was sick for a while and, during that pro during that time when he was sick, you know, I was taking care of him, uh, and you know, there was some dementia involved there too with him, and so his memory was going in and out, and he deteriorated really quickly. And at that same time, you know, we were going to shows, we were covering live music, we were, you know, immersing ourselves in that. And I think part of me wanted to escape into live music to cope with, you know, with all that craziness because I. You know, I really loved my dad, and it was really something that uh, I was, you know, really close with him, and really hard to to go through something like that. And and um, and I think during that time, live music was two things to me. It was definitely an escape. Uh, it was a cope, and a coping mechanism for me. And then also, it was a it was a mirror, you know, uh, meaning that uh, we went to a lot of shows, and you know, there were some key moments. At, at shows um, during last year uh, that um, really, you know, I, I had no choice but to kind of look at my grief, you know, and come face to face with it and, and, and deal with it in, in a good way, you know, in a cathartic way that allowed me to, you know, find some healing and kind of move through that, you know, that five stages of grief or whatever, or just understand it more. One of the shows where, you know, we went to see Ra Ra Riot uh, at the Metro. And that was, you know, a show that, um, that whole show, the whole, uh, their latest album, The Orchard, is really all about, you know, uh, and, and a lot of their music is, is, uh, very beautiful and, um, you know, it has a, you know, kind of a very, I don't, I don't know quite what the word is, but it, 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 it conjures those emotions, conjures the soft emotions, the, the ones that are related to, you know, being sad, you know, and, and mourning and, you know, just, they, they really tug on the, on the, on the heartstrings. And, 
one of the lead sing, you know, the the former band member of Ra Ra Riot, uh, the former drummer, you know, he he died, and you know, allegedly committed suicide, and you know, so that that sense is embedded in, in that music. So we were at the show, we were at Metro, and you know, I was overcome with emotions related to my dad because I knew what he was singing about, and I knew that he was the lead singer was channeling emotions that he had from the death of his friend and bandmate and somehow that really came and you know got me you know thinking about that and it just really everything really slowed down and you know I just you know thought of my dad and thought of how I was feeling and and it was just um, one of those concerts that I will never forget, you know, and then... And is there anything, is, is there any lyrics that, that you feel brought that on, or was it just the atmosphere and no, you the know, music? I, that's interesting that you say that, too, because I think for me it's it's different. Um, melody and rhythm, the combination of those, uh, you know, and, and the vocal, not what they're saying, but how they're singing it, is really what keys into me. And lyrics... Even though I do love them, you know, I'm a big word person and lyrics are huge with me. Um, I'm finding that certain things, certain lyrics do trigger it, but more times than not, it's, you know, when I hear Neil Diamond. You know, Neil Diamond was one of my dad's favorite artists, you know, and I... And he saw him live? Huh? Did he actually see him live? He did, yeah, yeah. He saw him during the uh, Hot August Night uh, tour in 75, I believe, and... Um, you know, and I've, you know, I've written about that process on the blog before. And when I was writing about that, I thought about how hearing those first notes of, you know, Sweet Caroline or, you know, what growing up to me was like, oh God, we have to listen to Neil Diamond again and again and again. And now it's like, you know, I, uh, I long to listen to that because it reminds me of my dad. It reminds me of those emotions and I constantly wonder what it was like for him to experience, you know, Neil Diamond live. Because I knew Neil Diamond had a huge impact on him and, you know, helped him deal with things in his own life when he went to shows. And when he was struggling, he would listen to, I actually bought my dad a 19, a whole CD box set of Neil Diamond live tracks and gave that to him. You know, and he he never owned any other CDs. That's all he all he listened to was like Neil Diamond Live. You know, so it's like anytime I hear those types of things, and you know, we actually included one of his uh, uh, Neil Di- two Neil Live Neil Diamond tracks off of the Hot August Night uh, album uh, at my dad's you know at my dad's memorial. So there's definitely definitely a connection there. You know, definitely you know the melody and 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 all those types of things. Do you think live you know? music? is more powerful than giving someone a mixed CD of songs that remind them of someone else. Like experiencing the show with a person? Or... No, no, actually being, hearing it live. Like a song that maybe you listen to on, on, on record with someone, or on a CD with someone, but then you went and saw it live, do you think that, that that's more powerful than continuing to play it on your album, like on a CD? Um, I think it's a case of, uh, you know, kind of the chicken before the egg, because I know that unless I'm in a mood of discovery, if I don't hear a band or I don't have any emotional, you know, uh, in, investment, you know, in the music prior to the concert, I'm pretty detached. 
you know, with it. Um, but I've gone back, you know, to Neil Diamond concerts, recordings, and I, I, you know, I used to joke about it. It's like, oh God, Neil Diamond, Neil Diamond. Dad loves Neil Diamond, you know. And now it's like, I, it's completely has a completely different meaning for me because it's attached to the memory of him, you know, with that. So I think it's, it's definitely, you know, I think it's more powerful to, you give somebody a mixtape. And you take them to that show, and that show is going to be ten times more meaningful than if you didn't give that mixtape to that person because there's no there's no emotional context, no emotional backstory to it, and the show is just going to be unless something really awesome happens at that show that is life changing. Without the music, you really don't have that you know that uh, that investment you know with it, and you know other. Other shows, I mean, Arcade Fire was, you know, was one, you know, we went and saw them, you know, at Lollapalooza as well, and that was, you know, a couple of weeks, um, you know, before before my dad died, you know, and I will never forget experiencing Arcade Fire with all the other fans, and I, and I still know that other fans were going through the same thing, because Arcade Fire, they, they have that quality too, you know, they have that ability to go deep. And their music and the way that they orchestrate their their songs, it's just it's perfect for that type of. I mean, they even have a. They're one of my favorite Arcade Fire albums is called uh, Funeral. I mean, and that whole that whole album is about uh, grief and processing grief, and that's just it's a beautiful album to experience live because it's you know it it just it's it's beautiful. I mean, it it takes you through that whole process very cathartically and just you know I don't know it's 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 awesome but it it's interesting to think about you know about emotions and about you know what we do you know at shows you know we can either fully engage our emotions or we can you know run away from them and escape them I think it's amazing that we kind of have that choice but sometimes we don't have those you know those choices you know like that it's not as clear cut you know with that and you know Kylan you're looking at a at a book, I just you know I want to mention some things here that that uh, that have played a key role, you know, not just in the making of the show, but just overall. You know, if you're a concert fan, you know, and you're listening to this, odds are that you know, obviously you, you know, you love going to shows and you know you you have emotions, you know, and you've probably felt uh, you know some you know some range of emotion, you know, at a at a concert. And one of the books that, uh, you know, that's helped me kind of really understand the whole thing, because when it comes down to it, you know, our, our culture really isn't that hip or equipped to help each other deal with grief. We just don't do well with it as a culture, which is unfortunate. But there's a book called The Grief Recovery Handbook, and it's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a really great read for me. Uh, I know I've written some, some blog posts about it, and Know, kind of explored that and I actually have used some of these concepts to write about Ra Ra Riot and about you know what was going on inside my mind during Arcade Fire, you know, and during um Weezer and you know just experiencing some of these some of these emotions. And you know Culling what what's also amazing about this is that and this is kind of where you know, we're we're nearing the end of our end of our show here, so I kind of want to leave leave you guys with these uh, some of these thoughts here. Is that um, what's 
you know, why, like, why, why would you want to put yourself through going through grief, you know, and exploring that at a concert? Because concerts are supposed to be fun, right? You know, obviously feeling these emotions are not fun, you know, so what's the benefit? What, why should you, why should you do it, you know? And I think one of the reasons why is that... Or do you have that you option? Know? You know, I think that's, that's the big what do you mean? question. What do you mean? Do you have the option to choose not to grieve? Um, I, I, I think that uh, grieving exists um, whether we like to be an active participant of it or not. And um, you know, I think that most counselors or most um, doctors or, or people that study human behavior will tell you that everyone grieves in their lifetime. Whether you're aware of it or not? Is Whether you you're mean? willing to be a participant in it, in it or not. A participant. A participant. So um, I could grieve right now and not feel anything and, and push, like you said, push everything down and not you know, express it. Um, so you think fans are going could, to shows and grieving and not knowing that they're going to like 10 shows in 10 days and the reason that they're doing that is because they're trying to deal with emotions that they're not aware of? They're not that's, pos that's possible. I think people can do that with anything. It doesn't have to be concerts. Right. And they could be right. just walking to work every day and just ignoring what you know, emotions and feelings and things that might be going on internally, you know, I mean, that, that's always, that, that could always be the case. And that's when you have people who become, you know, extreme, not dealing with issues as depression, anxiety, you know, um, it's definitely not happiness. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, I think everyone grieves. It's, it's what that looks like. And if you choose to do that at a concert or not, you know, it may not be at a concert. Concerts may not be a, a place for you to do that. You may find that the only venue you can you can grieve is at home or at church or at your you know, synagogue or at your temple or um, in a quiet place at home or a quiet place outside. Um, you know, you may not feel like it can happen at a concert, but for many, I believe that it does happen. Mm-hmm. You know, at concerts, and it'd be good to hear your your opinion on all of this. And maybe we can we'd love to hear your personal stories, yeah, um, and how you've maybe grieved at a, at a live show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, go to go to livefixblog dot com and tell us your stories. You know, we uh, we're going to continue to do this. Uh, you know, th we we've shared some of our stories uh, so far, and we'd love to share some of yours. You know, and you know we'll be reaching out to some fans to tell us their stories. We've already heard a lot about this. You know, we've talked to you know some rock critics, and you know, telling us about experiences at um, at some of their shows that uh, you don't normally hear about them writing about that in the reviews. So it's always fascinating to see other people doing that, and we're looking forward to. Know, sharing some of those stories with you and we'd love to hear it you know what you guys think about this whole this whole topic you know is this really uh something that um you know, you know how would you like us to to explore this more you know we'd love to hear your feedback you know on uh on that and uh you know it's um just about the end of our on the end of our show here and i think um i'm glad we went uh went through this you know we i think we uh we're quite sure how to how to go about this, but uh, it's uh, it's been fun, Colleen. 
Have you, uh... I've learned a lot. You enjoyed yourself? Yeah. I've learned a lot, and hopefully, um, you know, the people listening to the podcast are willing to expand their minds and kind of look at this concept of using live show for um, a time to eat, to grieve. Yeah. And to feel feelings during that show. Yeah, so, um... That's about it. Uh, again, go to livefootsblog.com. We'll have show notes. We'll have links to uh, books, track, website links, videos, all that kind of stuff, news items that we talked about. All right. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you guys later.